friends, my guest today is a fascinating guy. He is usually the first on the scene when someone dies. His job is to transport these deceased people to the funeral home. Crazy, right? I had never met him, but I was happy to invite him in for an episode. And throughout the course of about three hours of talking, I learned an incredible amount about him. He has multiple educational degrees and is extremely intelligent in the realm of psychology, philosophy, and religion. Please say hello to my friend, Tim Beaker. So I put the uh, the ad on Craigslist, just reaching out. I, I mean, the majority of the episodes so far have been people that I know, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to get some people that I didn't know. And I put that ad up there on Craigslist, and you were the first person to respond. Uh-huh. And I thought it was... It was interesting waiting for you and communicating with you the last few weeks because I had no idea who you were, what you looked like, yeah. your age, your race, anything. And so just meeting you today, I'm like, ah, there he is. I get to meet you. Yeah. Um, but the reason that you got a hold of me and said you want to sit down and talk is because of your job. And so what, yeah. what do you do? Uh, <laughs> try to avoid getting in trouble. That's what I do most of the time. But uh, I am a, a decedent transport driver. I'm a supervisor at uh, one of the funeral homes in the area. So that's what I do. Uh, we, uh, it's uh, body retrieval and removal. If there's a, a person who's passed anywhere, um, parking lots and Safeway grocery stores, bus stops, uh, houses, facilities, uh, out in some woods somewhere, in garages, you know, wherever. Uh, if As long as they're found, uh, we uh, often get the call and we go out and pick them up and transport them to the appropriate places, the medical examiner's office, you know, wherever. So, it's- so you're saying unless there needs to be uh, police involved? Sometimes uh, it's uh, that's uh, police officers, uh, medical examiners, uh, and, and it ranges. It ranges anywhere from uh, uh, those are our higher priorities. Uh, we can go to facilities, just a morgue where no one's around, uh, into uh, hospital rooms, ICU units, uh, things like that. And uh, family, uh, more often than not, especially at the memory care units, no one's around. So we just waltz in and waltz out, and then uh, then we have facilities with family present. Then we have residential places uh, where family or family is present and uh, that's a higher priority then we get the police officers and then the uh, uh, medical examiners who are the highest priority so we got to scoot and those are always the more interesting calls uh, people say uh, do you like what you do and I say no yeah. and they're like what do you mean? Why are you doing it? Well, because it's always interesting. And uh, the uh, medical examiner calls. You see that stuff on TV, but you get into real life and it's like real life. So uh, the police officer on scene a lot of suicides. Um, and uh, the medical examiner calls just sudden death. You know, what any any number of things could uh, uh, happen to where they're called out because they always have to verify and do their paperwork and everything. Then they tag them and release them and then we go out and pick them up. So, so you 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 said your schedule is pretty erratic. You're just kind of hanging out, waiting for someone to die, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, we have uh, we have our shifts, and we're on twelve hour shifts. And depending on how things go, we can we can be on a twelve hour shift or, 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 or a twelve hour stretch, twenty four hour stretch, thirty six, seventy two. Uh, the longest stretch that I went for, not constantly going out working, is one hundred and eight hours. So I was on call for one hundred and eight hours, and uh, I just whenever two thirty eight in the morning, five in the afternoon you know, whatever. So uh, we're on call just 
just like uh, police are uh, fire department guys uh, who are fun to work with. Uh, and uh, that's that's pretty much it. So we never know when we're going to get a call. And uh, we always have to be prepared. And we have to kind of like gauge the call in our minds uh, as to, uh, to kind of like uh, um, emotionally dissociate ourselves with calls, uh, depending on, you know, what's coming through. So Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean – you're, so you're just hanging out waiting for something to happen mm-hmm. and you know no matter where you're going that you're dealing with a dead body. Yeah. So does that get – does that get uh – Depressing? I mean, does that weigh on you? No. Uh, I suffer from MDD, um, major depressive disorder. And uh, when I came up into the job, I was struggling. And it's kind of strange uh, because since I've been working here, I really haven't had any episodes or anything. And the um, there is an element of exhilaration. There is an element of nauseation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's there's any number of things. And that's why I always tell people, like I said, uh, they – well, do you enjoy it? No, but it's always, always, always interesting. Uh, we're always picking things out. If we go into a residential home, it's like we get to see the inside, and some of them are hoarders. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. it's those are very rough calls, uh, both uh, emotionally and physically. Uh, and just there's any number of things that can happen. Um, there was a call one time where they misprinted the weight of the decedent and uh, they said it was 13 pounds and it's like 13 pounds as a child. And it's just like, oh, yeah. no. And w- until we got there, it was a misprint. She was 130 pounds and I was just – Really, really very, very worried because those are the absolute worst calls, children's infants, yeah. uh, and uh, thinking that that's what I was going to go into. And I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but it was actually a great relief to get there and see that it was a, a woman, uh, like I said, 130 pounds. So everything just changes at that moment. So yeah. you got to be prepared and be flexible enough to uh, be able to go into a situation. And uh, with the different situations, we've had families who are laughing and drinking and joking and smoking and uh, uh, guys who are drunk with weapons and stuff. And we go into those situations and it's a trip. It's an absolute trip. Uh, None of us have ever been hurt or, you know, shot or stabbed or anything. But it – those situations are there to Mm -hmm. where those things could happen because they're distraught or they're, you know, upset to whatever degree. And they've had alcohol and they just happen to have all these weapons around. And uh, thank goodness for wives and girlfriends because they'll tell the guys, yeah, put – put that up. Stop that. And uh, so I was like, oh, thank you. So – yeah. It happens. Yeah. So you show up and you you have no idea what's going to happen other than whatever's listed on a piece of paper. You don't know what family members you're going to deal with, mm-hmm. uh, what state they're going to be in. I imagine most of them are just freaking out. Yeah. Um, there are uh, – there's always um, – not always, but uh, often there are um, – uh, errors in the paperwork that we get, yeah. and not not major things, but uh, just uh, listing things like uh, COVID. COVID is a big thing now, uh, and uh, we'll go in, and uh, there's no COVID present on the paper. <laughs> we get there, and we're halfway through, and oh, by the way, COVID. And I'm like, oh, so we have to just totally readjust. Uh, so it's things like that that uh, cause us to. Um, uh, be very agile in how we uh, approach things. So, and you'll have to forgive me if I go a little bit off because my short term and everything. No, is, go wherever uh, you want. It's not cool. Real good. Uh, it's a fascinating subject and a fascinating 
line of work. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who who did that. It seems I, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. It seems weird that if you were manic de- manic depressive, what'd you say? MDD? Major depressive, yeah, major depressive. Just a bad case of depression. That's okay. All. It seems weird to me that you would go into retrieving dead bodies. It seems like that would be making it worse. Yeah. Uh, a lot of time. Well, part of what we view, we, me, my guys, uh, we, when we get away from it, there's never really any depression, but even at the pen, the penitentiary down there in Salem, when we pick up people, uh, no matter what their crimes were, uh, we'll go in, we pick them up, and we consider it an honor uh, to be able to bring them home uh, because uh, we'll take them to where we take them. And uh, we don't know, you know, as the family, you know, are they going to collect the person? Are they going to be indigent or whatever? But it's um, – Bringing people home, uh, if it's to loved ones, okay. Uh, if they're indigents, that's the depressing thing right there because they don't have anyone. Sure. And uh, so often uh, the homeless folks will pick up. Uh, they have their worldly belongings in a grocery cart or maybe just in a bag. Sure. And that is all they have. That stuff's the depressing stuff uh, and because they have no one. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do with them? Uh, well, we cremate them and that's it. And chances are they haven't spoken with anyone in years. And uh, that's the sad part. Well, and you can't really identify them either, can you? Uh, the majority, they, don't, the majority, they don't have ID. The majority of the times we have, there are those that we, we don't know, though. Uh, John Doe's, Jane Doe's. So, mm-hmm. uh, but they're, they're really very good at uh, dredging up information. Uh, the police officers, and uh, uh, they'll go out and do an investigation, get information from, uh, like, uh, the homeless people's friends. Oh, yeah, he was, you know, Billy Bob, whatever. Yeah. And, ah, okay, so there's a lead, and then we can figure stuff out from that point. But um, the... Um, the Trying to explain things to people on the outside is like you are a freak. Uh, I mean, meaning us. Uh, but uh, when we go out on suicides, uh, you would expect people to be all down in the dumps and everything, but we're not because we're looking and we're seeing, you know, what happened? Why did this happen? Uh, the first suicide that I went on was a, a shotgun suicide. And uh, we have a morbid sense of humor. So after the call, I'm just thinking, well, man, how am I going to deal with this? So I, I came up with the thought of in, uh, making a bumper sticker, you know, uh, shotgun uh, suicide by shotgun is a no brainer because this man literally from here up, he had nothing. Uh, and it's, we have that sense of humor about us and we have to have it yeah. uh, and or else we probably go crazy or yeah crazier uh but uh it, it's stuff like that like i said it's always uh interesting i'm an intp i uh i i look for patterns and everything i look for information i'm always looking at data and i'm trying to make sense of things mm-hmm. uh so often uh with the uh, suicides they aren't sick they aren't uh, anything they're just angry uh and um, that one call that i went on uh he had uh, scribbled some a note on a game a box and the game was sorry yeah, that, that board game old board game board game and uh when he did it uh you know the box was covered with blood and as i was going through and we were looking at stuff uh trying to clear all the brain matter away from everything and on the side of the box it says it's the game of sweet revenge and he was having 
problems. Uh, he was going through a divorce, and it's like, yeah. wow, did he do that on purpose? Seeing that, and that was kind of like his super secret message to whoever. But we look at stuff like that, and it gives us something to think about. And uh, you know, why do they do this? Um, uh, one individual had his camera or his phone and uh, he was going through a very bad divorce and he had all the like a table about this size uh, with all of the paper you know kindergarten drawings hand paintings and stuff like that and pictures of kids and all that. and it was all spread out very nice and neat and he went out in the back put the noose around his neck took a selfie threw the phone away and stepped off and so it's like why so we're stuck you know we're not you know investigative or anything but we're always wondering why so getting back to the depression thing uh it gives me something to think about. It gives me something to dwell on. Uh, whenever we go into a home and there's a lot of family members, um, that's when we feel at our greatest usefulness because it's an honor uh, to what I call the point of eternity because we're taking their loved one away and they will never, ever see them again. I yeah. mean, they're not being buried, so there's no viewing. That's the last time they're ever going to see them. Uh, and it's sad, but it's fulfilling at the same time. Sure. And uh, so often people, they're very, they're very grateful. We take a little bit of extra uh, time to uh, uh, make things as nice as we can while we're there, you know, straighten them up, uh, clean their hair up and everything else. And we um, often, they'll say, well, we'll, we try to tell them at the beginning, this is what we're going to do. And we always say, and at the end, we'll step out and let you have your final goodbyes. And uh, about half the time, they'll say, no, 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 we've had our final goodbyes. And and then it gets up to that point, what we refer to as that moment of getting real, uh, when they realize they're never going to see this person again. I don't care if they're bikers, if they're little seven-year-old boys and everything in between. Um, it, it, like I said, it gets real. And then uh, we do our thing and we allow them to have those moments and they just totally change their minds like, oh, yeah, and they'll spend 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes saying goodbye. Uh, and we look at that as uh, a, a kind of a gift that we give. And then uh, we take them out and we honor the individual. Uh, and that has a great mitigating effect on any depressive stuff that I might be, you know, dealing with because there's someone facing something infinitely worse than what I, than what I do. Yeah. And uh, to uh, be able to help them through that, even if it's just for a moment, uh, it's, it's not a happy feeling. It's a good feeling. Good, in my mind, is not always uh, pleasurable uh, because sometimes good is just totally not pleasurable at all. But uh, to be able to do that, to be able to offer people that service is, like I said, it's very fulfilling. And that uh, – I've been in this for a few years uh, and that has kind of – pretty much taken the edge off the depression and everything else. And so there's always someone worse. Uh, look for them, try to help them. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I try to devote myself to. I, I tried to do that before, but now I've got this situation with this job that that's what I do. Uh, and um, not that I'm good at it or anything. I, I don't know. I don't judge myself one way or the other that way. But uh, we offer these folks, uh, a, a, like I said, a service. Mm -hmm. And saying goodbye to a loved one, in my mind, is one of the highest things that a person can do. Uh, and we're part of that. 
Yeah. And it's uh, a very thankful, very grateful that uh, uh, the two individuals who hired me uh, that, that day uh, allowed me to go on. I've got, I've got like degrees and everything. And they said, well, we're kind of worried because you got these degrees. And it's mm-hmm. like, eh, give me a chance. <laughs> and it's been very good ever since. It's It seems like one of those weird jobs where it doesn't necessarily matter about book smarts. It's, it's more emotionally charged, Heart. right? Yeah, yeah. Like you could be any range of intelligence and not to say anything about your intelligence, but no. I mean, it's like you said, it's right here when you walk in. Yeah. And um, so you've been doing it for how many years? Three, two and a half. Two and um, a half years. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things they ask because they'll uh, during the interview they'll say, "Well, how are you going to get past this stuff?" And my immediate uh, response was emotional attachment because I have been fighting depression and you're apathetic and you're all these other things. And they took me right into the cooler and they said, "Here, you know, look." And it's like, "Okay, all right." And right at that moment, it was interesting. So, and that kind of piqued my curiosity. So that helped. Uh, and uh, often uh, we get guys, no schooling, high school, uh, and uh, they're just as brilliant at this stuff as, you know, somebody else who has, you know, whatever degree they've got. So it, it is, it's a matter of the heart and uh, a matter of the heart and a matter of the mind, knowing what to say, when to say it, how to say it. And uh, it, it's something you don't, you just don't teach anywhere. Yeah. And yeah, it's on the job training. And so how how often do you guys hire somebody that just doesn't make it? <laughs> um I want to say more often than we would like. Uh, often people come in and during the interview process, I'm, I'm the supervisor down there in Salem. So uh, in the interview process, they're all bright and bubbly. And, oh, yeah, that's it's the job for me. And uh, then often they don't show up for the first day or they go through the first day and they don't show up again or, you know, after that. So uh, with the guys that we have down there in Salem and now with the guys up in Portland, um, they're uh, a group of dedicated individuals and I love them all. And they're they're good. They're good at what they do. And, uh, and and that's simply being human and treating other people humanely. And uh, we're in a very good and a very stable place now to where we don't have to worry about hiring people because we are expanding. Yeah, there's going to be that, you know, we're going to be bringing more people in. Uh, but we have to go through that, you know, uh, seek and ye shall find mode of, of bringing people in. And it's weird because some of the people you don't think would make it make the best you know yeah. uh, uh, efforts at the job so yeah. it's good um, there's there's just so much to talk about it. It's something it's uh, um, a task that nobody ever thinks of until it happens. Yeah. Uh, and even when it happens, they still don't want to think about it. And that's part of the uh, job or task or whatever it is that we offer to them is to simply help them through those moments. And then uh, my goal is um, uh, whenever I leave, I don't say, oh, condolences and all these other things. I simply say, you know, bless you. Uh, and by what I mean by that is <laughs> – yeah, if I get emotional. Uh, <laughs> um, what I mean by that is find blessing in this moment. Find blessing in this day. You may not get it today. You might not get it tomorrow, next week, next month. But please look for that. And whenever I say that at the end, often uh, <laughs> it's weird because they're crying, 
but they smile while they're crying. And they're and it's sincerely heartfelt when they say thank you. Yeah. And if I can tilt them that way to to finding something like that, a blessing in possibly the worst moment of their life, uh, then I've done what I think I've been put on this earth to do. And that's simply to to show people, hey, there's a little bit of hope out there. And for this moment, you've got the greatest hope because we're here. Uh, we're taking your uh, family member and to our team, to the transport team, we're taking them into our family, meaning me and the guy or girl that I'm working with. They belong to us and we belong to them. And uh, we treat them uh, accordingly. We, uh, we're very gentle with them. We take very good care of them. And that is, again, it's another reward that we get. And I'm going off on a tangent, but it's, um, it's, it's just something that's offered in the job that you won't get anyplace else. Um, I, I was called up for an interview one time with a, um, a call center for a training position, and uh, I was talking with the CEO of the company, and uh, I I was oh man, I hear everyone's talking really good about you. You've done really good on the tests and everything, um, and then I, I start talking. And I said, you know, uh, there I'm never going to find another job as interesting as the one that I am right now. That was the last I ever heard of them or heard from them uh, because it's it's true. There's no job in my mind uh, that is going to be as interesting or uh, offering uh, uh, the gifts that I get personally from these things. Um, we are the hit at parties because we get to tell stories and everything. Uh, we um, we uh, go out and we'll, we'll do things whenever we see a bright and bubbly person like at Taco Bell. Hey, sir, how's your day going? Well, let me tell you. And then we you know, tell them about a story that we went out on and vroom, that cheerfulness goes away and that bubbliness goes away. And it's like, oh. So, it's, it's that thing that everyone knows is going to happen, but nobody wants to think about. It, yeah. Yeah, and, and the the disappointing thing is that a lot of people just throw it away. You know, you know, they they spend their whole lives being afraid of things, mm-hmm. uh, not taking any risks. You know, asking a girl out or taking a trip to Hawaii or whatever. They just spend all their lives being afraid of everything, and then one day, you don't know. It could be forty. It could be eighty. It no. could be twenty-two. Like, no. it's um, it's crazy. That is what – because I'm very reflective on the things that uh, I, I do and that is one of the things that I look at. Um, the, uh, uh, the the folks who are left behind, uh, one one particular day I started off and we went to this really nice house and the, uh, the girls, the two grown daughters were beautiful and everything was prim and proper in the house and the wife said, I just don't know what I'm going to do now. And then at the end of that day, we went out and we were in a single wide trailer and the family was there. Uh, uh, not not you know, the classiest place. And uh, the woman said, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, so it's, it's that to where I, I think that can spark people, uh, th- those who are left behind, to begin to uh, move forward. Uh, if they don't, they regress. And then uh, you, you've, we've all heard the stories where one person dies and then three months later, the other one dies. Well, we've been out to pick those people up. Yeah. And uh, if they don't have anything solid, uh, Victor Franklin with logotherapy, uh, uh, if we um, – so often people pursue power or pleasure – and status, things mm-hmm. like that. 
uh, but they don't look for purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I want to be able to help people with, not only in this job, but in my life in general. Part of the reason I'm here uh, is to help them find a purpose uh, in carrying forward. For so many of them, it's too late. And, you know, the decedents. Uh, but we can take that and we can turn it around. And uh, sometimes we'll get in uh, conversations with the family and they'll they'll say really wild things. And it's like, ah, oh, well, here, you know, maybe you can think about this. So we again, it's too late for the decedent. But the people who are left behind, uh, there's a, a great chance to plant some seeds in a mind that is looking for help. So it's uh, oh, excuse me, pull some. It's all right. Are you a religious man? Uh, uh, or have you been at uh, any point? It, it, that's it, it's it's so often um, with definitions, or because religious to me means uh, different things at different times. Sure. But uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm a what they call Torah observant messianic believer. You know, we're into Shabbat and everything now, and uh, and it's the the Jews don't want us, the Christians don't want us, but we're that little narrow focus there. And so, yeah, I am, but my religiosity um, brings me more to a common sense approach and how to deal with anybody and not turn them off. Um, I really enjoy talking with Wiccans and Satanists and, and cult members and all sorts of things, and I feel an affinity with them. And uh, this job helps me as well to uh, to be able to focus and not be so upset with things. And it's helped me to get more on a level plane. So with the religious stuff, um, uh, I can fit into any environment. And uh, uh, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul says, I become all things to all men so that by some means I might win a few. Um, that's what I try to do with my religious beliefs. I used to be a Christian, and um, but I'm not now because they're are so many problems, but well, uh, how how has the job influenced what you believe in, in the afterlife? Yeah, um, part of I've been doing recent studies on near death experiences and things like that, and it's really mind blowing. Uh, but uh, often I will look at people. Both of my parents are gone, and uh, often, not often, occasionally I'll go out and I'll see someone who looks just like my mom or oh my dad. And I wasn't I was down in Arizona, and they were in Ohio, so I never really got to say goodbye to them. And, and I'll look at them, uh, the decedents down here, and and I'll think, you know, who are you? Uh, where are you? Where have you gone? Uh, what did you do in life that is going to propel you into the next life? So it, it, those sorts of things I think about. Uh, and uh, so many real religious people don't want to deal with that uh, because it's uh, uh, well, anathema. So. Well, it, it, in my opinion, a lot of people, um, they, that's the reason they have no issue taking it easy in this life and maybe throwing it away or just not trying as hard as they should because they think that there's something that's going to happen after. And I'm not saying that there isn't, but to, I I did an episode with my mom and the whole thing is about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mm -hmm. about how her father disowned her because she left the church. He disowned uh, their son because he was gay. And then he also disowned uh, the other child, uh, my aunt, he, he wrote off all of his children because they didn't choose to follow this, this path mm. or because they were gay. His entire life, 70 years or whatever, completely ruined the only three kids he had, and he's gone now, mm. 
and all for the belief that something else was going to happen. And maybe it did happen and maybe he is wherever he thinks he was supposed to be. Mm. But it's it's just disappointing to me that you can't focus more on what we know is real right Mm. now. And I mean, have those beliefs and have those those ideas that something else might happen, but focus on right now because this is real. Yeah, that's part of the goal that I look at as uh, I don't worry so much about heaven or hell. I'm going to go wherever I'm going to go. But uh, if I focus on the here and now, um, I've pretty much been disowned by my family because of my beliefs and my big mouth and anger and all this other stuff. And I've worked on that. But uh, I want to be able to uh, make it a little bit more heaven on earth Um, and – Always bringing good. I'm I'm rarely ever a nice person because nice isn't always the way to go. But being good can be you know a little bit unpleasant or you know pleasant. Uh, but uh, to help, it's just like going out on a call. Uh, in the midst of their troubles and everything, there's a little bit of a spark. There's a little bit of a hope. And uh, and again with logotherapy, uh, logos meaning word or thought or mind uh, or forgive me, uh, word or thought and um, to help people come into that understanding uh, while we're here can bring them a little bit closer to heaven uh, while we're here so they don't have to wait. None of us knows what goes on. We have to take all that on faith. But if I'm kind to you and I offer you some hope and you go, wow, and even in the darkest, dreariest day of your life, there's some like you, you sit up a little bit straighter. That's what I want to do. And unfortunately, so often people allow their traditions and their uh, religiosity to get in the way of that. And they don't see the damage that they do to other people. Uh, We are – this is something most – Christians, I pick on Christians, uh, they don't uh, understand that we're all made in the image of God, not physically because God is a spirit, but with the ability to know the difference between right and wrong, uh, good and bad, true and false, things like that. And that's what helps me whenever I go over to the uh, penitentiary, you know, the worst of the worst. Um, I look at these individuals and the first time I went over there, I picked up an individual and he did some pretty bad stuff. Uh, But I look at him and I think, you know, with my thought and understanding of we're all created in the image, even the worst criminal, uh, I look and I think, where did he begin to step away from that? Where did he become more of an animal at rather than the human being? Uh, But um, uh, so many people, well, God, he's dead. Um, I was, uh, you know, I... Uh, uh, Twerbs are messianic flavor. I'm uh, in a messianic group. Uh, there was one down there in um, Salem. Uh, I only went there a few times because, and the reason I left is because they were talking about a guy who was standing up for what he believed, and it was everything was biblical. Uh, but then he got cancer and he died. When their leader said, and then he got cancer and he died, one of the individuals in the con- congregation said, "Hallelujah." And it's like, are you serious, dude? Yeah. And so that that sort of religiosity, I will get away from. And if they follow me, they'll be sorry that they did because I'll lay down the law to them. So that stuff is really, really detrimental uh, to the human psyche. And uh, but um, 
I, I mentioned earlier, um, I don't know if the cameras were going or anything, but uh, my nickname is Hachamor. It means the ass. Uh, and uh, I can be that way. Um, I'm very stubborn and mm-hmm. very strong in certain things. And people don't like that. But uh, I've had people who have fought against me. And then some years later, they come back and they said, man, I am so sorry what you said was the truth. And now I can see it. And now I can understand it because what you said stuck in my mind. And I couldn't fight against it. And then I eventually came and saw this is exactly what he's talking about right here. So I've kind of brought a little bit of heaven to this person who was so totally against me in whatever way, shape or form that might be. If it's over at the pen, if it's at a church, if it's just on a street corner or whatever, um, it's uh, something that um, – I hope is the essence of my being uh, that I do. This thing is just a job right now, but I get to um, expand my own self-awareness. And that self-awareness includes you, includes my environment. You're a part of my environment, so I have to be aware of that. And most of these religious people are very close-minded. So this, but this job has helped me to see and understand that because I'll go into all these different houses and. Well, yeah, I'm just wondering because yeah, you you show up and people are experiencing what could be the worst moment of their life, and people tend to turn to the unknown mm-hmm. and faith when when something like that happens. And so, because you are essentially a therapist, being the first person on the scene, I could see you being religious helping them and kind of bonding over that. Um, There's just so many directions that could go. And it just blows my mind that you, you're just like hanging out, watching TV at your house or something. You get a phone call. And then, I mean, 10 minutes before that person was alive and now you're going to pick them up Mm -hmm. and you're walking into somebody else's house, not knowing what, what's going to, I mean, do you have to, are you involved with like, cleaning things up and uh, it depends uh we're we don't go uh as i mentioned the first suicide a shotgun suicide uh there was stuff everywhere in this room and i mean brain matter on the rails going up and just everything everywhere we don't get into the cleaning uh, of all of that but we try to make the individual not in this case with the shotgun but uh, we try to make them a little bit more presentable and we'll clean the individual up and uh, there are all these restoration services that they can go and uh, uh, get those you know to come in and do all of that but uh, if we if it's uh, regarding the individual say if there's like a big part of his skull uh, yeah okay we'll, we'll, we'll clean stuff like that up and uh, because you know they may want to try to reconstruct it or whatever so how, we have to do stuff like How that. did you deal with that the first time you showed up? Wasn't that insane? No. Uh, what uh, what happened? Well, we were going upstairs, and I didn't know that it was a shot- shotgun suicide. Um, on the paperwork, it said uh, death by uh, death by uh, gun or something. Uh, I forget what the actual term is. Um, and death by gunfire. I think. Anyway. But you didn't know it was self-inflicted. Uh, no, we knew that it was, but we didn't know what it was. So we're going up the steps and the the uh, fire chaplain is going up and he and shotgun. And it was like I was three steps from the top when he said that. And it's like, oh, wow. Um, and, and I mean, that was my, my response to it. And when I went around the corner, the TV was still going. Uh, there was stuff, like I said, brain matter everywhere. And I equated it with going into like one of these haunted houses at Halloween because he was over there 
the wall the wall to the living room was there and probably just to the other side of the monitor here and uh, and we come up over here and I looked and that's exactly how I felt like I was in one of these haunted house Halloween things and I looked at it, I mean but it's real uh, and but in my mind the emotional uh, uh, distancing it, it was immediately in place because as soon as the guy said shotgun it's like okay prepare yourself Tim so I did but then when I got right over to it it was just matter of fact I mean you could look you could see down you could see the guy's sinus cavities and everything and and we're looking and uh, and blood and brain my everywhere. You just don't think about that stuff because you're going in with a particular purpose, and that is to retrieve the individuals. His family was down, or his daughter and son, uh, son and daughter-in-law, Jesus I think. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we uh, we go in, we go in with that purpose to um, clean them up and get them gone. And uh, whatever they do after that, they're dealing with the uh, funeral directors and everything. But the most intense moments are those moments uh, when we go in and you know, whatever brings us there. Uh, those are the most intense moments. Uh, I used to uh, sell life insurance. Man, I hated that. And I would go into people's homes and I hated going into people's homes. Now I'll go into someone's home and I'm there. I'm That's my purpose. Uh, that is what I – gain my own mental power from uh, is to go in and to help people. Uh, sometimes I'm very aware of what's uh, in the surroundings and other times I'm not because I'm going in, I'm looking directly at that person. I have one thing that I have to do, which is, you know, several steps, whatever there may be. And um, I get them together and we're ready to go. Uh, at other times I'll look, oh, wow, paintings and oh, I, I like firearms, well, rifles and stuff and all sorts of things. So, uh, but whenever I get distracted like that, it's like, no, 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 no. You're here for this reason. So it's – So it, you're saying you almost kind of like do – you, do you watch like CSI or shows like that or anything? Oh, my wife watches TV a whole bunch and uh, she so, used to watch stuff like that. And that's kind of what – and if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't have this because she's the one who found the job and said, hey, you need to go here. And then I told people about it and they said, oh, hey, wow, that will fit you perfectly. I don't know what they meant by that. but uh, <laughs> And it's because she was into stuff like that, the CSI and all these uh, forensic files and stuff. But and, when you walk into a house like that – is that what you kind of do? You you essentially walk into an episode of CSI? Yeah, uh, because uh, one was uh, we were uh, in a house and uh, the lady had taken some pills and uh, she apparently started swooning and uh, she went face first into the bathtub and because she passed out. Uh, she suffocated. And in the water? No, oh, no, I'm sorry. There was no water in the tub. At the, or there may have been. I don't know. I don't remember any water being present. But uh, she was face down in the bathtub with her legs sticking up. And she was kind of a big girl. So, you know, we had to figure out how to do all that stuff. But in the meantime, there were cops and detectives and an ME guy. And they were rooting through her stuff. And they were looking and they were seeing all these meds that uh, she had. And some of them were empty. Uh, so we do go into situations like that. They're taking pictures. Sometimes we have to be there and help rule them and you know do all that sort of thing uh, so they can get their pictures and everything that they need to, for them to do their jobs. Uh, we don't get into any of the intense stuff until we go over to the medical examiner's office over here, um, wherever I'm pointing to. <laughs> um, and it's then when we go in, we go in, we see them doing their business and they got them splayed open like a freaking trout and they've got all their stuff, you know, the rib cages cut and, you know, or the brain or you know whatever so yeah there are those moments but it, 
to me, it's not gross. It's interesting. Um, and uh, there is that disassociation that I have and I just – I something clicks and I just start looking at stuff and take as much information in, or data or whatever as you, I can. You said you were in the Air Force? Uh, yeah. Did you witness anyone getting killed when you were in the service? No. Uh, no? No. I was uh, I was basically one of the guys who sat back. I'd load the airplanes up with armament and stuff. And uh, that's, yeah. So, so there's there no there's no that. precursor to this job that you've had for two and a half years. Right. Uh, rarely was I ever in touch with any uh, dead folks, decedents, uh, the occasional funeral every now and then. Um, and... Uh, that that was pretty much it. Uh, my real um, introduction to it was uh, right after that first interview. They said, hey, come on, let's go see how you can deal with this. And I went into the cooler and uh, there was a lady over there and uh, there were boxes and bags and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I just go in and it's like I don't want to say that I had the feeling of I fit here. But it was almost instantaneous uh, when I went in and said – I can do this. And it wasn't that I was fearful or anything. It's just that it's like, okay, bring it on. Little did I know <laughs> what I was asking at the moment. But uh, so it's, it's always been a forward progression for me in dealing with the individuals, dealing with the families, dealing with the situations that we go into. And uh, regardless of who's there, if nobody but the police officers there, you know, whatever, uh, we, we deal with it. Um, uh, the guys and the girls uh, who I work with who have been there, been there for a while now, and uh, they are all of the same mind of uh, we'll go in, we'll get it done and be done with it. And there are times uh, quite often that there are humorous, humorous situations that come up that only we will understand. You know, like somebody who's purging, um, we got to roll the person over to get a, a, a sling underneath them. And uh, I was on this one call one time and I rolled the guy over and the individual uh, – my workmate was standing too close, rolled the guy over, and he pursed like this great gritty Kool-Aid type stuff um, uh, all over his leg. And <laughs> a lot of people would freak out at something like that. But um, he, he said, oh, man, he got it all over my leg. And about 30 seconds later, he says, oh, and it's touching my skin. And at that moment – and the family's in the next room. And I'm sitting there trying not to laugh. And I mean laugh. And, and I had to go like this to – Shut the hell up, Tim. Don't don't laugh. But you know, it's, it's stuff like that that people won't understand. That yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think about that. Let's let's go there. What happens after you die? You you your bowels. Yeah, things exit your bowels. Your bladder mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So there's just fluids coming out of everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the edema for the really heavy people. Yeah. Uh, what is, is that? The, uh, the the water like under the skin. Uh, it's like a real big blister. Sometimes it's like all the way down their arms or all the way down their legs, like from a, an elbow or the knees. Uh, it's just where the fluid uh, gathers at. Uh, uh, an individual in a recliner. Uh, he was a big boy. I think he was about 350 pounds. And, and this is another situation uh, where he was there and uh, – 
uh, me and another coworker, we had to go in and we had to get them up out of the recliner. Well, they called in the fire department to help, you know, help us because he was a big dude. Uh, and I'll never forget it. They had these young volunteers and I was down at the individual's uh, right leg and he was right next to me on the left leg and that edema was there. And uh, he didn't know. It was the first call he had been on like that. So, And I knew, I mean, you try to get down as far as you can on the ankle. So you, you have something solid to pull on. Mm-hmm. He grabbed him up around the calf. And when he did that, it, just imagine a big blister about this long, like all the way around the leg. He put his hands on it and he pulled. And when he did, he broke the skin and all that, sorry, all that fluid it, it, it ruptured it, and it went all over his leg and down on his boot and everything. And it looked at he looked at me, and it's like like he was almost getting ready to cry. He didn't, but just the look of shock on his face and like, ugh. And so, you know, it's stuff like that. Yeah, we got to deal with that. We have to deal with the edema. Uh, we have to deal with uh, uh, the uh, the loose bowels and stuff, uh, the purging, uh, several different types of purging. We can tell where it's coming from by the color and everything. What, why does that happen? Uh, just what uh, with uh, the release of the, the there's a tension when we're alive and uh, basically all that stuff is held in control uh, uh, by the body and it's un- um, um, uh, involuntary. Yeah. But when we leave the body, uh, then all that stuff just releases. And uh, even in your stomach. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. And uh, if we uh, and generally we have to turn them over. Sometimes we have to move them. Oh man, there was this one guy. Uh, he was. He was a hoarder and he died and he went, he was face down for uh, probably about 12, maybe 18 hours. His face was all purple and red and, and bleeding and everything. And, and we had to pull him out. And when we did, he began to empty the contents of his stomach. And uh, it's just oh, something. Jesus. Yeah, it's something that people don't think about. But it happens to all of us, uh, the rigor mortis. Uh, so often we'll go in and the people will be stiff and they'll say, oh, yeah, rigor mortis is set in. Well, m- most people don't realize, yeah, it, it, it will be set for a period of time and then it begins to release. So you can – Will you explain that? Because everybody, everybody makes jokes about that on movies. But what exactly is rigor mortis? It's just a locking of the joints uh, basically with the tendons and stuff. Uh, and uh, after a period of time, it releases. So they're, they're, they're flexible again. Uh, sometimes we pick them up when they're just totally stiff and we try to – Bend like uh, we'll put them on a cot and their knees are bent and we try to push their knees down and they come right back up. So we have to lay them on their side and we just have to deal with it later. Um, stuff like that happens. And uh, with, with stuff like that with families, uh, that's where we have the biggest problem in trying to present them, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a good, graceful way. Um, and if their eyes are open, we have to try to close them and uh, stuff like that. And again, if they're purging, we have to try to clean that up and, you know, long enough for the families to say their goodbyes because they, they don't care. That's their loved one. They'll go right up kiss them and hug them and everything. So we have to try to do our best to uh, make sure that it's as presentable as possible. Uh, sometimes it's just it's just not possible. Uh, people, you know, they'll be down for two or three days and uh, we'll go in and they're like their face is all distorted and again it's colored and they're bleeding and uh, all sorts of nasty stuff. And we just can't, we can't do anything at the moment there. So out of all these things that you've witnessed, none of them have kept you from going back to your job. You mean prevented me from going back? Yeah, I mean like none none of it has been so terrible that you're like, oh, I'm going to get a job at the gas station tomorrow, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, So is there there anything, like it's morbid to ask you, but- is there anything that you're just like, 
if that ever happened, I'm done. Like, do you, is there any forethought where you're like, God, I hope I don't ever see this? Yeah, I. there are situations where I've been around. Um, uh, the most shocking thing that I've ever seen, and uh, they already had the individual back in uh, back at uh, the, our central location. Uh, I walked around the corner, and I didn't realize, but they were prepping her. And she had on a nice little dress, a little bow around her head, and she was 18 months old. Mm-hmm. And, and I walked around, and I don't <gasps> – easily, but I did when I saw that – Oh, and uh, okay, <laughs> time to gather yourself, <laughs> you know, uh, chill out, Tim. So it, it's stuff like that. And like I mentioned earlier, the 13 pounds uh, as opposed to the 130 pounds that she was, I was not looking forward to going on that call. Uh, we always – we have our stories and uh, there was an individual, um, uh, a woman who um, had given birth three weeks prior to uh, – to her device, uh, she was breastfeeding her baby, and um, the um, doctors didn't give her uh, anticoagulation medicine. She passed blood clot in her brain as she was nursing the baby, and she died. And when she died, she fell directly over on the infant and suffocated him. I that something like that would probably cause me to think because that's really damaging to the psyche if you're open, you know, if you're if you're not prepared for something like that. Uh, another one was where uh, a woman and her four children were ki- killed by a drunk driver. This is before I ever got there, hearing stories of it and where uh, uh, they had to keep the individual, the family there in the cooler for a period of time. And that began affecting everybody. And these are guys that have been in the service for like 20 or 30 years. It has an effect on us uh, uh, over a period of time. But uh, that's part of where the uh, companionship of we all go through it together. And there are some things that you just can't make fun of. Do you have kids? Uh, this is my joking answer. Three that I know of. Uh, uh, I'll say that to some people and they really get bent out of shape, especially in churches. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I do. And I think of them constantly. Uh, I think of uh, everyone in my past because quite often there are people who look a lot like people in, in my past. Have you ever showed up and it was somebody you knew? Not yet. Uh, I have been on calls to where uh, some of my coworkers, they did know the individuals. And uh, it's there's a different kind of strength there with them because uh, the family's there and uh, they walk in. Oh, man, hey, how's it going? And, you know, we get hugs and – well, they get hugs. I've uh, been hugged once. But um, there's that extra sort of power or uh, 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 energy that they have when they go into a situation like that. And there is a um, a bond between the worker and the family members. So it's just what I would call an extra special situation because – and again, we're, we're getting back to that place of honor and caring and so many other things. And because they have a personal relationship with these individuals – like I said, in my mind, it makes it special. And I've been on a couple of those calls. Uh, an individual, uh, he used to work uh, transporting uh, individuals, uh, older folks. And uh, he got to know a whole lot of these folks uh, personally. And um, he, uh, we went on a call. We picked up this lady and her daughter was there. And uh, he knew her. So, And again, it's something that he was able to stand over and above me. I, I just step back when stuff like that happens because there's a bond there. And uh, it's 
there's the sorrow that's there, but there's also the strength of we will take care of this. And uh, it, like I said, it just makes it a little bit extra special when there is that personal uh, bond there. And often with uh, some of the funeral homes we work with, they've been there 20, 30, 40 years, and they know like the entire town. So uh, it's stuff like that. Again, they they take up the gauntlet uh, that has been laid before them, and they offer a very good service. And it's something in my mind, it's incredibly valuable uh, that nobody ever thinks of. Yeah. Uh, and, but there are those people who gravitate into this that uh, I was telling people back east, oh, well, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And they said, that's what you're cut out for. That is what you need to do. And so uh, I haven't come across anyone that I've known personally because I moved out here in 2015. Uh, but I can imagine certain things happening and pray <laughs> That would be ready. So wh why do you think your friends and your wife thought that this would be a good profession for you? Uh, my wife has been involved in hospice work for a very long time, decades. And uh, we've always talked about it, uh, read books like uh, Mary Roach's uh, Stiffs. And uh, uh, there's another woman on uh, YouTube, Caitlin Dowdy. Uh, if you ever get a chance, go look at her. She's like uh, Ask a Mortician, and she will cover all of these questions. And it's like, oh, wow. Uh, so there's always been an interest with my wife with things like that. And she's been with folks in hospice where she's been with them at the moment that they've died. Her uh, husband, uh, he died of cancer, uh, died there with her. Uh, and uh, so she's been in that environment. And I kind of gravitated to that. I was never scared. I was never worried. I was never, oh, that's gross. I found it interesting, even at those points. She's the one who found this job listed online. She's the one who said, hey, you need to apply for this because of the way that we would carry on when we're together talking about these things. Uh, she would share her experiences, and i go, wow, okay, yeah, I, I can see that. I can imagine that. It's not something that I would ever shy away from. That's how I got into this. And I will be forever, ever, ever grateful for them taking me in, and, and as well as the, the the folks that I work with who who stay on, you know, beyond a day. Um, and it, it's just something that has all fallen into place. And uh, like I said, I don't know my back. I've got uh, degenerative disc disease. So I don't know how much longer I'm going to be there. But um, it'll be a sad day when I can't go out and do these things because I find a sense of fulfillment there. And again, I'm going off on some tangent, but. Um, it's very, very rewarding, and it's because of my wife and because of her experiences uh, that uh, I was brought into this. And uh, I owe my wife so much, and I'm not just saying this because she's going to be watching it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do, and and this is one of the things. If it wasn't for her, I would not have this blessing in my life, and I consider it a total blessing. Mm -hmm. uh, there are times when I'll try to go to sleep at night, and it's just like you know you think about stuff because it's in your mind, and yeah. you're. Trying to push stuff out, like uh, um, you know, uh, 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 picking up somebody out of a lake. Uh, when people die in certain ways, there are different smells that they have. Uh, someone who drowns smells different than some than a decomp. You ever like walk around the grocery store or something and smell? <laughs> Oh, that smells like somebody in a lake. Really? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 the the decomps often smell like uh, what I consider uh, rotten cabbage soup, only multiplied by about 100 times. So, And there are certain things where I'll walk around and it's like, 
did something or someone die here? And, and I mean, because you have that sense, uh, uh, I guess an emotional, but more the olfactory, uh, to where you smell it and it sparks the neurons in the brain that says yeah. death. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, restaurants, uh, <laughs> grocery stores, things like that. Yeah, indeed. You order a steak at some crappy restaurant and <laughs> – can't eat it. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, it's funny to me. But uh, in the uh, in the retorts and the crematory place that we have, um, they'll kill me. Um, but it's true. Uh, we'll go in, and they're they're they have someone in the oven there, and I swear to God, it smells like steak, and it's like. Oh wow! I got to go get something to eat because it it just smells like steak. But you know, and that's different than the decomps and the, the drownings and all this other stuff and the blood and all this other stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, so at that so point, you get hungry. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, the uh, the supervisor who I took over for, he said, you know, I can't go out on a decomp call, and then I can't pass up a, a Burger King on the way back home because I just have to get something to eat. And I, I've come up with my own theory for that because uh, the uh, fat receptors, uh, the, uh, the the neurons and everything, they're triggered by uh, certain smells, whether they're pleasant or not. The brain doesn't know. Uh, it's just, oh, God, that's gross. It just registers stuff. And so for certain guys, it triggers a hunger reflex. And 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 he would. He would. Uh, well, we just picked up a man, a 250 pound person. He was down for 10 days. We go through the drive through. The individual's in the back and he's sitting there ordering like a double wow. whopper and stuff. But it's, it happens. Somebody's got to do it and you got to separate yourself from it because you still got a life. You got to live. Yeah. And that is at a deeper level. I don't. How can I say? At a deeper level, I associate what I do with my life. Uh, and I think that's part of what I find so interesting in it because uh, there is this spiritual aspect. And I don't mean, oh, swaying back and forth, forget that crap. Uh, it is uh, – and be uh, – and uh, the definition of it in Greek means uh, uh, a mature person or a complete person, not standing in church swaying back and forth. That's, like I said, it's crap. Uh, but these things that we go through – Help me to achieve that. Help me to become more of a mature person. Help me to become more of a complete person. Uh, there are times, uh, me and one of the new guys, well, he's no longer new, but uh, we went on a call one time, and I mentioned a seven-year-old earlier. Um, we were at this hospital, and his grandfather had died, and the family was there, and at the ICU and all this other stuff, and we got them all bagged up and everything. We couldn't you know, let everyone see them, but uh, we got them out to the van, and uh, yeah, completeness and maturity kind to just totally dissolve in a situation like this. We got him in the van, and the son of the man who had passed had his son there, little seven-year-old boy. And um, the coworker that I was with was always kind of a, a braggart. No, I'll do this. I'll do that. You know, okay, yeah, right. Uh, so uh, we got there, and uh, we got the individual in the back, and he went around into the passenger side and sat down. And uh, the son of the decedent asked the grandson, the little seven-year-old boy, would you like to say goodbye to grandpa? And, uh, and for me, that's okay. We'll open up the van door and, you know, we can't unzip the bag or anything. But uh, so I stepped up and I, I told the little boy, I just talked with him just a little bit. And I said, he's here and, and <laughs> uh, you can touch him through the bag. And, and oh, God, <laughs> he, he, <laughs> 
he put his hand on his grandfather and uh, he was crying and everything else. And he said, goodbye, Grandpa. I love you. And like I said, all the maturity in the world doesn't you know, gird you with any strength when you go into a situation like that. And so we went through it and I'm sitting there like trying to hide my tears and everything. And, uh, and, uh, the family, you know, they went off and then I got back into the van and the guy, rah, 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 rah. I looked over him, he was bawling too. He was crying just as much. So there are those situations that try us. But uh, and and often the mirror neurons. When you see someone yawning, you yawn too. Well, why is that? Because your mind says, "Oh, hey, uh, laughing." That's why we laugh at babies who are laughing because it's just something our brains do. Uh, crying is the same thing uh, in in certain situations. I have a problem sometimes going into the big families where there are people who are sincerely crying. And forgive me for being judgmental, but people who are it looks like they're putting on a show crying because their their actions are incongruent with their uh, their words and everything. So, but uh, with these times when the families are crying, I don't look up. I look down because if I look up, I'll start crying. And I mean, no, not, not sobbing and everything. The tears will come. And that one call w- was especially uh, uh, emotional uh, because of the little boy saying goodbye to his grandfather. So all this stuff that I talk about being, you know, spiritual, mature, complete and all that stuff, it just goes away because the human nature is so powerful at that point, you just have to go through it. And then later on, you reflect on it. And that is talking about love and and talking about so many other things. I reflect on that and we can learn a great lesson from a little seven-year-old kid if we reflect on it. Uh, He was brave enough to go up and, you know, to touch grandpa and, you know, so many other things. Uh, So that's something I try to do. I try to take away from any particular event, whatever happens, so I can kind of like, you know, put another missing piece of the puzzle in place. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it helps. Um, and again, going off on a tangent, but uh, it, um, you know, with my own definition of spirituality, it helps me exceedingly. And I will never, ever get this anyplace else. I won't get this in church. I won't get it at any funerals. I won't get it anyplace else. Um, and to me, it's very, very valuable. And if I, just like this right here, right now, if I ever get a chance to talk about, I'm an INTP, I'm a big time introvert. I'm not shy, but it's like, uh, I don't talk a whole lot. And that's one of the reasons I want to get here because it's my chance to talk. Hey, something that I'm I know I'm glad about. you came up. This is awesome. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's, it's all of the events that led us here together uh, that, that are the reason. But uh, for the chance for me to talk about stuff like this, uh, it's cathartic for me. I'm going to go home and I'm going to think about it all the way back down to Salem. I'm going to go, oh, man, I should have said this. I wanted to say that. And here I was for these last however many weeks going, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. As soon as it ends, everybody always goes, we didn't even talk about that. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's two hours. <laughs> we can't talk about everything. Yeah. yeah. But um, and, and, and this stuff, uh, we, man, we were, uh, uh, my wife and I were at her uncle's uh, place out there on the coast, uh, Lincoln City. And, uh, and it was Thanksgiving. And here we are at the Thanksgiving table. And uh, so uh, the wife of uh, my wife's uncle, 
She, so, Tim, what do you do? <laughs> God, I hate that question because it's really— <laughs> How much time you got? <laughs> yeah. Well, what I do is I kind of gradually get into it. And I go, I'm a driver. Well, what do you drive? A van. What do you carry? And so I'm like, oh, God. But she was a psychiatric nurse, so it was kind of, it was a little bit easier to do that. And, but here we are around the, the, the Thanksgiving table and, you know, the remains of all the turkeys and everything. It's still there on the table. So it's like, okay, well, here, here's what I do. And uh, her, uh, my wife's uh, uh, cousins were sitting across the table, the girl and the guy, and I started talking about it. And the aunt is going, wow, that's fascinating. Oh, that's cool. And I looked at the girl, her cousin. And she's going like, wow, you need to write a blog on this. And I wasn't looking at the guy or her other cousin because I was so focused on the girl. And uh, my daughter, my daughter, my wife uh, elbowed me. Just shut up, man. He's getting ready to get sick. And because I wasn't even <laughs> looking at him. Uh, but it's like, oh, 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 man, I'm so sorry. But see, I get carried away with stuff like that. Yeah. And just like in this situation or with other people like uh, her cousin, uh-huh. uh, I will um, I'll talk about these things. And I'll get carried away. And my situational awareness kind of like just goes away. Here it's very easy because mm-hmm. we have a purpose of doing this. Yeah. Uh, but in uh, uh, combined uh, uh, settings where there are people who find it interesting and other people who are just totally nauseated by it, yeah, that's where I, I have to kind of watch it. But if, like I said, I'm an INTP, but if you give me a chance, I'll, I'll out-extrovert the extrovert in something like this. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it's fun. We have, uh, we have a, a saying at, at work, uh, we're the life of the party, uh, talking about death. And uh, it's because people do want to hear about it, and it's under our control how deep we want to go into it, uh, as, you know, what stories we want to tell, how we want to tell them, how, you know, the graphic uh, uh, details of it all. And uh, the decomps, the decomps, decompositions are like, the biggest hits. Uh, what, what does that mean? Can you explain it? What is decomp? The decomposition. Uh, someone who's been down for a few days, a couple of weeks, maybe a month. So their body is decomposing. They're, yeah. Uh, we went on a call and uh, some of the worst calls we get are in the RV parks. Uh, individual committed suicide and he was down for probably about six months. And uh, I'll never forget this. Uh, we opened the door and the, the light shone in and he was a hoarder in this RV and uh, he was laying there and his it was like uh, going into an Indiana Jones movie. Uh, his skull was there and like part of his hair was over here and the rest of it was gone and he had decomposed so much. It was like a layer of mud on the floor and we had to walk through all that and we had to get him out and everything. And But the most eye-catching thing, uh, sorry for the pun in this, you'll understand in a moment. Uh, as soon as we opened the door, he was laying there and he was looking straight at the door, no eyes, uh, he had shot himself, so you could see through his eyes all the way to the back of his head. Oh, my and, God. Yeah, so uh, we, we come into stuff, and, but we didn't know that was the condition of the individual. We were made aware of it prior to going in. Being told about something is different than experiencing it. So uh, going into something like that, it's not like – I haven't been so totally repulsed at anything, uh, but going in on that, it's like, oh, wow, okay. And then we get right to business. But uh, some of the decomps that we've had, uh, uh, we go in. And as I mentioned with that, uh, the uh, recliner with the, <laughs> the poor firefighter dude, uh, we come across those quite often. Uh, there was one, um, he was probably, uh, again, 300 pounds or so. And he was in an apartment, thankfully, on the ground floor. Uh, we were going in and for, probably from – 
here to maybe the camera there. Um, you're walking up, and then all of a sudden you smell it. And I'm like, oh, God, we're not even inside yet. So it's going to be bad. And uh, we had... I think we had five guys on that call. And, uh, yeah, all the edema was there, and we moved him, and somebody broke his leg, or, you know, the, the skin, and edema, yeah. all that stuff started coming out, and he was all red and purple and black and green and yellow and stuff. And so uh, he was decomposing. Uh, he had been there for probably about 10 days, I think. And the thing was, it was uh, in, I can't remember if it was the spring or the winter, whatever. It was cold weather, but he had his heater going full blast. And that's what does it, the heat. Um, uh, one of the calls we went on, 675-pound um, guy. Oh, man, he was on the second floor. God, man. Um, and we eventually got him down. We got him into the uh, into the cooler, and he was just normal. But then we uh, opened him up sometime later, uh, I forget, about five or ten days later, because they wanted an autopsy done on him. Uh, when we opened him up, he was absolutely black. And black and purple, kind of like a, 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 a plum, that color. And because he was so big and heavy and fat, uh, the uh, enzymes and everything started from the inside out heating him up. And uh, that's uh, what will cause uh, the greatest amount of this sort of decomp with this type of individual. Uh, it, it starts from the inside out. And like I said, we opened up the bag and his face was at, uh, as black as our cups here and with purple. And like I said, there's always the element of blood and stuff. So uh, there's stuff like that that occurs. Um, we're, I don't want to say we're deadened to that, but we remember it. And, uh, and again, to me, it's always, always interesting, the biology behind it, you know, the interaction, the enzymes and the chemicals and, you know, hormones and all these other things. Wow. So that's what they mean when they say this, because now I've experienced it firsthand. So did you know any of the scientific process behind this stuff or did, have you just learned it over the last two and a half years? Uh, I've always been curious. Uh, like I, I mentioned earlier, uh, Mary Roach has this uh, book called Stiffs and it's the curious lives of cadavers, you know. Uh, and uh, so reading something like that, that's a page turner for me. It's like, oh, wow, oh, wow, wow. That's so cool. So I was aware of stuff like that. But again, having a, having a book knowledge uh, and then having the intellect that's brought to you through the actual experience are two totally different worlds. That's why people can read books, but they don't want to have anything to do with the real life thing. Uh, so often police officers, <laughs> as brave as they are, don't want to be involved with the stuff that we do. A, yeah. a lot of them. There's one guy down in Salem. He's just so totally cool. He'll just jump right in and help us and everything. So, But uh, the majority of the cops will either sit in their car. We had uh, one female uh, police officer say, you know what? Give me 20 DUIs. You can take this and, and do this. Uh, so and, and they're scared. They're scared of the decomposition and things like that. Uh, but uh, if you can get past my, – my sniffer is broken and uh, uh, I really don't have a, a problem going into situations like this. But I, I can still smell it, especially when you're – But what, what about – what about nightmares and stuff? Do you, do you have crazy nightmares? No, no. Uh, well, uh, I do, but it's totally different than what most people would think about. Uh, my nightmare is uh, we've got a big person in the back, and we're, you guys have incredible hills out here in Portland. And my nightmare is uh, being stuck on a hill at like a traffic light or a stop sign, and then I goose it, you know, the gas, and the back door opens up, and the 
person goes flying <laughs> out the back. That's my nightmare because it's horrible. Because of this, it will go worldwide if anybody's yeah. around and like, look at what these guys did. Yeah. That's my nightmare. There, any of the physical stuff has never really um, – uh, bothered me uh, because I, I always find an interest in it. And I think the majority of the folks that uh, I work with uh, have that same interest. And uh, they're few and far between. They are few and far between. Uh, when I uh, first started working there, uh, I uh, was thinking the first few days, I was like, I'm a body snatcher. I'm a body snatcher. And, and, you know, thinking this stuff to myself. And then uh, one day, uh, one of the women came in, and she's really cool. Um, and she, she walked in. She knew that I was new. And she goes, I'm badass. Not everybody can do this job. And I go, yeah, I know. I'm seeing that. So at that point, we became badass body snatchers. And then uh, later on, it's like, hmm, wow, okay, there's the Grim Reaper. So it turned it, we are now badass body snatchers, second cousin to the Grim Reaper. So it's stuff like that that we try to make light of. You guys need T-shirts. Uh, yeah, we thought, yes, I, yeah, yes, we've, we've, we come up with a lot of different thoughts for t-shirts and bumper stickers. Like yeah. I said, that, uh, suicide by shotgun is a no brainer. Yeah. I think that would sell very well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we do. And, uh, we keep most of that stuff to ourselves, but it's there. And it's just like, uh, I used to be an EMT down in, uh, Tucson, Arizona and, uh, going through listening to some of the guys who had been in for 20 or 30 years, they've got their stories and they do the exact same thing that we do. They, they'll share their stories among each other and uh, we there's there's is a little different though because they're trying to save a life yeah right? so we, they have that emotional connection if they fail yeah maybe. and yeah so whereas we are the badass body snatcher second cousin of the grim reaper they are badass uh first cousins to the grim reaper those are the first cousin guys yeah. because they're there so often at the point of death and uh, my wife has been there at that point and to me that's totally different uh they're alive one moment they're not alive the next uh I don't know how I would deal with something like that. Yeah. How does your wife deal with that? Is she uh, – My wife is an angel. There's a special place reserved for her, I think, uh, because she is drawn to things like that. She's a very caring, very compassionate person. She works on the animal side of where I work at. And uh, that – I I learn so much from her constantly because of the ways that she deals with stuff. Um, It's funny because – more often than not, um, they have a little room, a little like a living room set up. And uh, so often on calls, we'll go and, you know, we have these big burly biker dudes. I'll see you, brother. You know, and they crack a little bit in their voice, maybe a tear. But some of the people come into the animal side and they go into that room and they close the doors and you can hear these men you yeah. know, macho men just wailing like a little baby. Uh, but She's used to that stuff, and she can help people through those moments uh, in a way that I don't think I can uh, because of the extreme emotions that are involved. And like I said, she's been involved with hospice for so long, and she's said goodbye, held hands of people who have passed on. Does she have any special insight to to that process, to what happens in that moment that someone lets go? Is, uh, is there anything? I, I don't know. We've discussed things, uh, you know, visions and things uh, that uh, she's had, that other people have had, uh, not necessarily involved with that particular incident, but of people who have passed and things like that. So we do talk about that stuff. Not so much about uh, individual things like we might carry on in, in our job, uh, about particular moments. Uh, there are a few that she's talked about, and it's like 
there's absolutely no learning from that until you go through it. I mean, okay, she's made me aware of certain things and I'm like, I don't know if I'm dreading or not the moment when that'll happen to me if it happens to someone before me. Um, I, I just don't know. I have to wait and see uh, it, because there are so many uh, time, chance, and circumstance happen to all people, uh, and I just don't know. I mean, I could go through a hundred, uh, you know, situations like that, and then on the hundred and first, there's just this one teeny tiny little thing that says enough, enough, mm -hmm. I'm done. Uh, she's got a wonderful heart. I don't think that would ever happen to her. Um, and she's uh, she's gone through uh, helping so many people because we, we love our pets and stuff. And uh, she's wonderful in helping people uh, who have lost pets, who have lost loved ones. Uh, you know, she's not with them at that moment now, but uh, she's always able to um, uh, care for them at a different level than I ever could because she has been there at those moments of passing. And uh, if, if because I've had to put a couple of my dearly beloved pets down and a couple of them have died and I didn't handle it very well. I was one of those guys sobbing. <laughs> so I, I don't know how I would deal with something like You're that. You're on the job daily picking up dudes that blew their heads off. Mm -hmm. And when your your pet dies, it, it crushes you. Yeah. Uh, we had a cat, Jack Jack. He was blind and he had uh, FIV, feline something or other, uh, and he was going to die. And he, he and I bonded. As a matter of fact, uh, he and I bonded. I, I told my wife, I said, you know, if I die and you're still here, you're going to mix my ashes with uh, Wraith. And uh, we called Wraith because he looked just like Jack Jack and he died too. But uh, um, he died and he was my best butt in the world. I don't have a whole lot of friends. But he was my friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, we knew that he was going out because he's losing weight and there was nothing we could do to get him. And uh, I had my door closed one night and he would always come into my room. <laughs> um, uh, on the night that he died, he died. God damn it. <laughs> he died right there at my door. <laughs> and I don't know if he was trying to get in or not. I don't know, but he was there at the door and I got up at 4, 4.45, whatever it was, and, and he was laying there and I could see immediately he was gone. And um, I, uh, it's like, goodbye, Jack Jack. And I uh, went down the hall, woke my wife up and I said, Jack Jack is gone now. And <laughs> I was fine up until that moment. And then as we were going back down the hall, I don't know if you've ever cried before where a sudden rush came upon you, where it just hits you and you just cry. But that's what happened. And uh, I had to go on past him and go down the hall, and, you know, trying to breathe so I wouldn't freaking lose it. Yeah. And uh, and then I went into work and I was telling the guys about and the same goddamn thing happened, uh, trying to explain what happened. And I just I couldn't do it. Uh, my mom and my dad died, and uh, and I was in, like I said, I was in Arizona. But in my mind, when they died, uh, the very first thought in my mind was, okay, what needs to be done? Uh, I don't know if it would have been the same if I was there when they died, but um, uh, the emotional attachment I've had with Jack-Jack and Wraith and with Savannah and with uh, so many other pets, 
it hits me hard. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's because of the time and effort that we uh, give to them. They become part of us. We become part of them. Yeah. And to see that, Jack Jack was such a cool cat. He was just so gentle and everything. And he was blind and we took extra care of him. And we weren't sure how the dogs were going to take to him. But uh, because he was blind, he couldn't see him charging up to him. So he was just like, hey, everything's cool. And, uh, uh, and that caused the other cat that we had that was always in the garage to actually say, hey, if, if he can do it, I can do it. So now she's coming out. But um, he, he was just so cool. And when we lost him, uh, I, I can't explain it. It was just for all the effort. And, uh, and I don't normally kiss my animals, but I would kiss, I would kiss them on the nose all the time. And okay, he was my, me from my bud, damn it. And uh, it, that's just the way it turned out to be. And when he left, it's just like, oh, man. Uh, the wind goes out of my sails and I'm sitting there moping through, you know, the next day or two at work and I'm just real quiet and everything. And it's like, what's wrong with Tim? His cat died. What? Um, and same thing happened. I was in the Philippines and uh, the cat that we had since I was five years old, I was 18 then, uh, found out that she died. And here I am halfway around the world. Frisky died uh, yesterday. And I was on the phone and the girl was there, um, uh, my first wife. <laughs> uh, I just started bawling. As I hung up the phone, I was talking with my mom who's back in Ohio, and here I am in the Philippines, and I just started crying. And um, my first wife goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I go, my cat died. And they only have feral cats there, so they, they she couldn't she couldn't, she <laughs> she couldn't relate. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she she thought that somebody that I had loved died. Well, yeah, Frisky died. Yeah. Uh, so there's that thing, and I don't know, perhaps there's a lobe of my brain that's disconnected or whatever, but that's how it works with me. Well, that's why, that's why couples that have been married for 50, 60 years, that's why when one goes, the other goes within a few months, right? It's, yeah. it's a literal broken heart, right? Yeah. Uh, I, um, with the, um, with the psych things that go on, I've got a master's degree in psychology. Uh, so, uh, we can die if we, uh, set our minds to that. Uh, logotherapy, uh, Victor Frankl writes about people dying in concentration camps. Well, they didn't have a reason to go on, so they died. Uh, and uh, that's what we see a lot in um, uh, families like that. Like I said, uh, there was one call where uh, we went out and picked up the son, and then one week later, we picked up the father. Uh, we don't know if it was because there was an emotional tie or what, but uh, often when uh, uh, the uh, uh, the older couples, uh, one dies, and a few months later, we're back. And uh, the children are there. Oh, thank you so much for taking care of dad. We know that you're going to take care of mom, just like you took care of dad. So uh, there's that there with us. But mm -hmm. the bonding and again, getting with that spiritual thing, uh, when there's a section that's taken out of our psyche, there's a big gap there. And if we're so old, I'm getting older, I'm 60. And it's just like, if certain things are taken from me, what's the use of going on? And at that point, we've been, we begin the process of giving up the ghost of, uh, of, of dying. And, uh, it, and it happens. Uh, it happens, unfortunately, more often than what I would like it to. Uh, the reason for that, whenever I talk with folks, um, I'll say, can you tell me about the potential of this person? Because after you and I go, our potential still goes on. Uh, you know, the things that you would say, the things you'd laugh at, and you know, that your thoughts and everything that you've shared with other people, those things continue to go on. Um, so uh, with uh, 
certain folks I've had the chance to talk with. Uh, tell me about the potential of this person. Do you find that within you? How are you going to share that with others? And that can mitigate some of the pain. And I'm, I'm not any super hero or anything. I just question. And uh, I will talk with folks and they'll say, yeah, yeah, I see that. And uh, before it's all over, the, thank you. Thank you so much for just you know pointing out a few things. And it's nothing I've done. I just ask questions. Yeah. Uh, I haven't had the chance to do it with any you know, 50, 60, 70 years of marriage. You, you have a master's in psychology? Uh, yeah, I've got a – here I go, my bragging. Uh, I've got a, uh, a bachelor's in communication, a master's in psychology, and a master's in adult education and training, and along with a master's certification in uh, geropsychology. So it's a uh, how to deal with older folks. So, so you went to school for the first 40 years of your life? Uh, uh, I'm still going to school. Uh, yeah, now I uh, – Why – not to discredit what you're doing because it sounds incredible for you and everybody involved, but why aren't you a psychologist? easily answered because there's certifications involved and I'm so out of the box sometimes that I would probably violate some yeah. rule or some law somewhere yeah. uh, to where I could have my certification taken from me and therefore there goes my job and everything. But I am absolutely and totally free to talk about stuff like this right here or with anybody else. I am free to that's do cool. that stuff. Yeah, and, and that's why I, I did, I went in thinking about being a counselor. Uh, I thought about becoming a funeral director. No, thank you. Um, I because uh, I've seen the job and I don't want it. It's just like being a mom to people. Uh, and uh, there are certain things I just don't want. If there's a certification involved with it, I don't want it. Uh, I talked about the certification with Gerald Psychology. It's really not anything big, but it's just to say, yeah, this is where he's been. This is how many brain cells he got because of it. And you might want to listen to him because he might be right about a tenth of the time. So uh, that's how I look at it. It sounds like you're interested in humans. And the the goings on up here, yeah. and the, your route for getting to that is a little little off the beaten path. Yeah. But you're still doing those things, and you're still investigating those avenues, right? Yeah, uh, and not only for the individuals who are involved who have lost someone, but uh, uh, a lot of uh, my coworkers will sit, will share stories, will share thoughts, and everything. And because, uh, and again, logotherapy. Uh, I, I look at that, and uh, I can I can take a different avenue uh, of approach and come in around back to where they're not aware of you know where I'm coming from. So then all of a sudden there's an opening there, and then I, I ask a question or I make a statement. They go, "Wow, yeah, yeah, that." And uh, I enjoy doing that. Uh, Benjamin Zander, a conductor, once said, "You know, you're making uh, points with people when you see their eyes light up." It's fantastic TED talk. I love that talk. Um, uh, but uh, that's what I try to do with people, and I don't give. Normally, say I don't give a flying fucking a rolling donut, but I won't say that here. Um, <laughs> you just did. <laughs> you say whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah, that's okay. Don't don't erase it. <laughs> um, but um, if I get the chance to make somebody's eyes sparkle, and even and and you kind of see it as I mentioned, some of the families when they're they smile through their tears and they say thank you. You can kind of see that sparkle, even though they're crying. And I don't know if it's hope or whatever else or just a kind gesture from some weird stranger, uh, but it, it's there. And that's what I treasure. Um, I, oh man, one of the things that used to make me most angry when I first started the supervisor says, well, you can go out and get more money doing this and this and this. And I say, 
God damn it. I don't care about the money. I want to be able to help. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I get my payment from. Yeah, I get my paycheck. But uh, the the experiences I've had and the people that I've met and the things that I've done far, far, far outweigh any pecuniary you know rewards that I'll ever, ever, ever get uh, unless I write a book and become fabulously you know rich and wealthy <laughs> off of it. Uh, but um, – I view things differently. My wife views things differently, and we're we're going down the same road that way. And there's there's few people who have the same bent toward life. Uh, they don't have the same views I do naturally. But I've dug into things. I'll probably go home tonight, and I'll be up until eleven o'clock or whatever. You know, doing all this stuff, looking at the mind brain connection, all these other things. But uh, everything that I've done in this job has helped me with my studies and everything that I do now and into the future. So, it's it's to me, it's fantastic. Like, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's an incredible insight to the human experience. Like you are one of a thousand people who, who do what you do and get to witness the stuff, the yeah. stuff and, and the, the people who have seen the stuff. And yeah, there's, there's all sorts of uh, varying degrees of stuff. We, uh, we went out on a call one time and again, this is what happens. You'll, someone will mention something that caused me to think of something else. Uh, we went out on this call one morning and, uh, it was a head on. The guy was drunk and, uh, he went over to line as he's going around this curb over in Hubbard and, uh, he had a head on with this truck. Uh, the uh, individual in the truck was only, you know, mildly hurt. Uh, but, uh, he was killed. Uh, the individual of the, the car, we got there and there are beer cans all over the place. And whenever I see stuff like that, I automatically, I start to get angry. I'm like, what the hell were you doing? And, and he had been drinking and stuff. And the thing was, he was 26 years old and we found his driver's license and he turned 26 on that day. Mm. So, you know, we look at that and to me, that's something to think about. Like, you know, if I, my children don't talk with me anymore, but if I ever get the chance to talk with them or my grandchildren, I'm going to take stuff like that and uh, say, you know, talk with them at their particular level and say, you know, what are you doing and why are you doing it? And uh, uh, hopefully be able to help them and to, to cause that little light to flash in their eyes and to send them on a different path than what they may have been going on previously. So, uh, again, it's something that uh, I have not really found any place and I probably never will find it again uh, for however long I'm going to be here. But I get the chance to talk with folks and make them aware. Mm -hmm. And that was the one thing that uh, I was so like, oh, man, I was jazzed. And I probably lost more sleep thinking about this than I have of any <laughs> of the calls that I've gone out on. It's like, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Um, and here we are. And I've had my say so. And hopefully if it benefits anybody out there uh, to think of, hey, maybe I could become a funeral director or a medical examiner or, you know, whatever, or maybe a transport driver. Um, you, know, <laughs> you have trash can drivers up here, garbage men, <laughs> way down here. Uh, so, you know, if you want to be a garbage man, you know, whatever. Uh, but um, if I can help just cause that flash to come. Um, my job is done here. You know, that's kind of how I feel. Uh, so whenever I have those moments, I give them. And regardless of what the individual does, because there are some things I'll say to somebody and I'll probably never see them again, but I know that whatever it is I said goes with them. And some people I've said things to and they come back to me later and they're so grateful. And it's like, hey, you know, it, it doesn't come from me. It comes from someplace else. Yeah, it seems like you would be more conscious of time 
and that in the conversations you have with certain people, you you might appreciate them more because you you witness death every day. Yeah. And so you you understand the importance of doing things when you can. Yeah. Right? And telling people you love them when you can. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what I'm working on right now. I'm trying to put a book together about uh, doing versus being. Uh, there's this being that we all are. You know, I mean, your being is different than my being, but we all have certain things that we follow, you know, together with each other. Uh, and um, uh, we are certain types of beings. And then there are doings which are based on our being. And uh, to be able to um, help people realize that, yeah, you're you're a being while you're right here right now. Uh, what are you doing with that? Yeah. So you're being, what are you doing with that? Mm-hmm. And to try to bring those two together, uh, you're here for time what are you doing that shows me your being? Yeah. And uh, that that's one of the biggest things that I've gotten from this job is because it's it's given me a, a perspective that the vast, vast majority of people won't ever get. And, and again, for something like that to occur, I'm very thankful for. And I think the majority of the guys and women who hang out with this are um, – getting the same benefit, they exp- they express it in their own ways. Uh, but I think they're just as grateful for the chance to be in this role. And it's not that people are ungrateful or they're unthankful. They simply know, don't know that we exist in this particular job. Uh, but uh, again, to talk with people and let them know. Again, Caitlin Dowdy has this thing, Ask a Mortician on YouTube, uh, to where she's trying to bring death into the minds of people because there's a lot of stuff in the death industry that just doesn't need to be. Uh, and Like what? Uh, <laughs> um uh, funerals. Uh, I'll I'll just go to an extreme. Coffins. Uh, well, burial uh, plots. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, building, building, building. Because this is one of the reasons that uh, the folks that I work with or for are so successful because they don't jack up the prices. They don't do anything. They're there. Uh, they're there for the families. And rarely do you ever work with a company who says one thing and sticks to that thing. Uh, so often, the, the biggest thing to me is like. Why is it necessary to take a body that doesn't have a soul in it anymore, put it in this $6,000 box, and then put it in the ground? No one's ever going to build an apartment complex there. There's never going to be a Safeway there. Like Mm -hmm. that land is done forever. You're you're wasting land for – I mean some people put more importance on the human body, but when you're gone – you're gone. You're gone. Yeah, and that's you said. You you don't uh, forgive me. I can't remember the exact words, but uh, you know what need is there of it? Depending on who you're with, there's always traditions and rituals and things, and those do bring about closure for many people. But that need really doesn't exist, and it's a commercial aspect that is ruining the stuff that I've been talking about. Uh, and, and Caitlin Dowdy covers it. Uh, she's a proponent of uh, of, uh, uh, of uh, avoid. She she owns a funeral home down in Los Angeles, but she says, "Hey, look, no, 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 no. Here, look at these options over here. Much less expensive cremation." Um, more natural, yeah. Cremation, uh, hydrolysis, uh, simply going out and burying somebody in a cloth. What uh, is hy- hydrolysis? Hydrolysis is an alkaline process. Uh, it was just over here uh, down the street earlier today, uh, and they have this big tube, probably as long as this table, about 
yay big around. And uh, what they do is they put the person in on a cage and uh, then they pump all this uh, highly alkaline um, uh, fluid in and uh, it just dissolves the body. Uh, so it's a um, – a heatless way of cremation, so to say. But why, why is that better than cremation? Uh, depending on your view, uh, that's a psychology answer. Any answer in psychology always has to start with it depends. Um, it's uh, it's less uh, uh, toxic to the environment. Uh, takes a little bit longer than a, a, a retort uh, to get it done, but it's much more clean. Um, and I think that's the biggest draw for it is that uh, you get the same – exact results, only there's no smoke and, you know, all this other stuff. Uh, with these retorts, they have to keep a constant monitor on the smokestacks so they're not putting smoke in the air and they have to monitor it like literally every moment of the day. Uh, with the hydrolysis, you don't have that. So there's the environment that you're impacting. That's probably the biggest thing uh, that um, is good for the hydrolysis. Uh, and it is a new, a relatively new technology that people are kind of moving toward. But so many people don't know about it because the funeral homes say, we want to sell you this $2,000 casket. We want to put you in this crypt. We want to money, money, money. Mm -hmm. uh, but something like that, something like the cremations and something like the hydrolysis is something that so many funeral homes don't want to talk about because okay. the money's so, not there. So, so break it down for, for the three, uh, getting a casket and getting buried, cremation and hydrolysis. What, what are the cost differences between the three? Uh, anywhere from, um, I'll say approximately $700 for the cremation because uh, there is the gas, there's the transport, there are all these fees, the paperwork, you know, working with the state and, you know, so many of these other things. Uh, the the actual fuel and the time spent uh, for, I think, four to six hours uh, for the cremation, uh, there are all of those things that have to take place. And But it's, I want to say, once and done. I mean, it's boom, it's there and it's done. Uh, with the funerals, you've got, okay, uh, if there's a viewing, then there's a funeral, then there's a church, then there's a casket, then there's the you know the cemetery, and then you got you know just so Tombstone. many more things. Yeah, all of that, and and that's one of the saddest things. I, I enjoy walking through cemeteries because I'll look at the headstones and I'll see, oh, he died in January of nineteen whenever, and oh, she died in March of the same year. So I'll I'll go through uh, cemeteries and I'll look for stuff like that, and I I, I go visit the children. And uh, and I think you know what could have been, what might have been, and there's nothing worse than taking an infant from the wailing mother's arms. There's absolutely nothing worse because you're taking her child, and we feel horrible. We feel absolutely horrible when stuff like that happens, but we have to do it. Um, uh, along those lines, uh, when I was down in Tucson, uh, I see some of these uh, headstones, big freaking headstones, uh, and nobody visits them anymore. They've, they've got stuff growing on them. Uh, here we've got so much moss and everything. They're just – they're no longer visited. To me, that's another sad aspect that cemeteries bring unless you're a freak like me who you know, likes going and looking at stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, but um, that's one of the drawbacks to me for uh, cemetery burials. My mom and dad are buried in Tip City, Ohio, and I'm grateful, I'm thankful for it because uh, they died uh, after Cal 
uh, we were married, we went back, and um, they never got a chance to meet her. So I introduced her at the headstones. Mom, she's just like you are. You know, that's that's the thing. That's the main argument I hear for anybody is that you can go and visit. Yeah, yeah, and, but ultimately those visits stop. And, and that's what uh, I'm talking about. The sad part is because those visits stop. The people who knew and loved that person, chances are, you know. They're going to uh, die. Yeah. The gravestones are like 1,700, 1,800. So, you know, other folks aren't around. So, it's just a continuation of death. Uh, and But there is that benefit that um, we have in visiting them. And uh, one of the things, I was not close to my parents for like the last 20 years, um, maybe 30. Um, and I sat there, um, a long story for my mother, but anyway, uh, my wife and I, we went back down from Toledo down to Tip City and uh, I wrote my mom a letter and it was saying, you know, you would really, really because, like I said, animals and just almost the same mind. So I, I wrote a letter and I put it on her on her uh, headstone, and it's like, okay, you know, it's time to move on. So that was afforded to me, but eventually, what's the use? Uh, and but and but that's where the urns and everything come in for us. You know, we've we've got them, and you can set them up on a mantelpiece. You don't have to go out anywhere. You know, you can hide them if you want to. You don't ever have to look at them again. One of the worst things I've ever heard, this man had treated his family so poorly that uh, after they cremated him, his daughter came in, took the box, walked out to the dumpster, opened it up, and poured him in the dumpster. So it's like, damn. <laughs> uh, but stuff like that happens. Yeah. So, uh, But uh, you've got the range of anywhere between that to people who cherish. They've got some beautiful urns. I don't want any. I, I want my ashes scattered, scattered at a cactus down in Tucson. I've got the coordinates for it. That's where I want my stuff scattered. <laughs> nice. So I don't, I don't ever want to be remembered or, you know, if somebody goes out there, yeah, this is where Tim was. We don't know where he's at now. He's all yeah. scattered. But that's my view of it. Um, it's only because of the gypsy life that I've lived. Uh -huh. I think if I had established a, a permanent residence somewhere and I have 400,000 grandchildren or great-grandchildren or whatever, yeah, okay, that might be a little bit different. But again, uh, time is going to go on and it's it going is. to be a wasted effort, wasted money, wasted space, just like you mentioned. So, um, yeah, go scatter yeah, it, me somewhere. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people agree with me, but it just seems selfish. It's like – no one's going to care about me or you or yeah. anyone we know in a hundred years. Mm -hmm. we're, we're we're dust. Yeah. Who cares? Well, yeah, and that's where I was talking about potential earlier. You know, if we have a diary or if we write a book or if we get famous in some way, shape, or form, then there is that that follows us. Uh, but uh, but even like Shakespeare mm -hmm. or King Louis the Fourteenth or somebody important and famous from a long time ago. Nobody really cares. Yeah, no one knows him. Anymore. They got a they got a paragraph in a history book. Like, yeah. no one cares what happened to the to his bones. Yeah, well, that and you make a point there. Uh, I know of people, but I do not know them. There's a difference. There's a difference between knowing. I know about Napoleon. I did not know him. I mean, I know where his crypt is at and everything, but so what? Uh, you know, granted, if it were different, if I actually knew him, I probably would have visited him, you know, until I left. But then again, so what? Uh, yeah, the most important part is what you and I are doing. It's it's the fact that there's something inside you, mm -hmm. there's something inside me, and there's an interaction happening. Yeah. If we were both gone right now, that 
that disappears. Ceases to exist. Yeah. 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 And that's where um, um, my wife was really jazzed about me coming up here. And just like I was, and hopefully some of the guys that I work with are or will be if they get a chance to see this. Uh, but uh, there's that chance at doing something because of who we are. For the moment, that exists. But as soon as we leave here, okay, that is now in the past. What I just did there is mm-hmm. in the past. It doesn't exist anymore. So, uh, But there's this here now that's still going on. After we leave one another, we're going to go, wow, yeah, ooh, ah, ooh. And we're going to be able to go spread that around while we're still here. Uh, okay, cool. That's all that I'm after. I'm not after any grand, glorious, you know, crypts with, oh, this is where he's buried at because I, I, I just – don't care. Yeah. Uh, but to other people, they do. And it, it's simply the mindset that people have. I know people make such a grand hobby of going out to Los Angeles and visiting. All. I do it at, uh, at uh, Arlington. I'll go see uh, where uh, uh, my hero, Wainwright, is buried and where uh, uh, Medal of Honor people are. And it's just like, I read about you. I heard about you. And then I go away and I forget where they're at. I forget what their tombstone looks like. But I still have the story in my mind. But mm-hmm. And again, so what? If it helps to mold me, you know, the visit through Arlington, if it has helped to mold me in some way, shape, or form, I get to come here and share it in the moment, in this moment of being. Uh, That's going to go away. And we're both going to be changed when we leave. Um, And again, so what? Whenever I ask so what, it's like, what's next? That's what I mean whenever I say so what? Uh, Eventually, just like a candle, it's all going to go out. And all the candles that were around us are going to go out. And we'll be forgotten uh, doing some studies on the afterlife. Yeah, we're forgotten in this realm or in this plane of existence. But there's something else on the other side. So we'll see when we get there. So what do you think would change if we discovered what the afterlife was? What would would this – what would make what would happen to this uh, i i'm 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 going to say something that will probably piss off a lot of people but uh it, it's what i uh, i firmly believe whatever good we've been given uh, as uh humans as humanity no matter how good it is we fuck it up and uh that and you know not everybody because some people try to continue going on with something that's good but uh, generally we'll turn it around how can i make money out of this how can i influence other people to get more power more status i want fame you know whatever that's what i mean by screwing it up uh and there's always going to be charlatans and everything else but there are also going to be the very sincere people who are going to take it to heart for their own personal benefit and if that personal benefit affects somebody else without the money involved okay yeah cool i can see that But uh, if we were to ever find out something like that, you know, what goes on afterwards, I would have to think – I don't use the word awesome very often, rare. uh, But I think it would just be so totally awesome. I wouldn't be able to say a whole lot about it. I would just go, wow, wow. You see that too, don't you? Uh, Yeah, I don't have to explain it. You know, so it's that sort of a thing. But like I said, there are always going to be people who are going to try to – Take it to their own benefit because of you know whatever there might be money power pleasure whatever. So. Yeah, it would totally destroy everything that we we view as real right now because yeah. there would become one thing that was truth and all these things that people <laughs> sort of believe in or or wholeheartedly believe in would would become false instantly. Yeah, and 
it would be crazy because all the stuff we're doing now, there wouldn't be much value in it because yeah. you had a solution for what would yeah. be in it. And I don't know, maybe like maybe millions of people would kill themselves. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, I want to get let's over to that get, side. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, there is something in logotherapy. Uh, Victor Frankl talks about it. And so often people try to avoid tension in their lives. Uh, we need tension in our lives, anxiety, and so many mm-hmm. of these other things mm-hmm. in order to grow, in order to move forward. But if we, if we come up to this point where all that tension is removed – what are, we all become couch potatoes or what? I mean, what's the use of really striving for anything? What's the use of, you know, making more medicine? What's the use of, you know, all these other things? I mean, I'm just rambling right now about it, but um, there, all of that tension would be gone. All the great poetry, all the great stories, all of the great people, and those things that we honor and try to strive for because they were brought about by tension, mm-hmm. uh, they'll be Because gone. of the unknown. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And that unknown brings tension. It brings anxiety. And like I said, we need that. If we, if we go into a homeostasis, if we're going where everything's just copacetic, there's no reason to strive, and we won't be able to achieve our greatest potential. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad for mysteries because that's one of the things that I look for, and that's one of the reasons I enjoy talking, you know, the religious talk with so many people, because nobody knows. Exactly. Um, uh, we, uh, we have faith. Uh, knowing is understanding. We have ideas about these concepts, and we understand the concepts, but we don't know it in the sense that, you know, everyone's striving to know. We have faith. That is, we believe these things. We can't prove them. We can offer evidence for them, but we can't prove them. And that's one of the biggest problems with religious uh, people is they say, my way is right. You're going to burn in hell. Well, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul says, look, I don't care if I'm judged by you or any human court. I don't even judge myself. I'm going to wait for the proper judge to come along and say, you know, hey, good reward, bad reward, whatever. So, but uh, so often we get these religious freaks and I'm one of them, so I can say that. Um, uh, we get these people who say these things and do these things, and it's just totally foreign to the concept that they should truly be living by. Um, and again, I forget where I was going with that, but um, it's 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 a, a, a thing of control and uh, oh, uh, homeostasis and tension. Uh, we need those things. And other people, other morons, they are just, oh, man, some of the newly converted people that come into my way of understanding things, they get a little teeny tiny bit of, um, of information that uh, Christians can't argue with, nobody can argue with, and they just go – Ape shit crazy. There's this thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect where the really ignorant people think that they're so much better than what they truly are. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what happens. And we've got some incredibly powerful people who are just like that, just so totally ignorant. And uh, taking something like this, uh, you know, if we were to come into an understanding of what's on the other side, well, these ignoramuses would probably try to make some sort of control over it. So, you know, they keep us under their spell while we're here and just make life horrible. Well, I know it's on the other side. So, you know, yeah, but that's not the way to go. Yeah, unfortunately, that is human nature, right? Is to somehow, at least in the last 100, 200 years, there, every, nothing happens unless there's a way to make money off of it. Generally, yes, uh, I agree. Um, I, uh, one of the things I, I tell my wife is, you know, I wish I could do these things 
and not have to worry about the money part of it because there is the spiritual aspect of it, of, uh, of uh, being with people and coming into one mind, one way of thinking or simply being in the moment without having to say anything. Uh, and we um, – uh, I think we lose that, um, and daggone it, uh, age. I forgot where I was going with it, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll remember it. Like um, I'll be halfway home, and I was like, "Oh man, I got to get on and write uh, right to you." Uh, but yeah, it's I don't know. It's the human conundrum. Human, we're, we're, human nature. Yeah, we're we're all here, and uh, I mean, the thing that I learn the older I get is that. No one knows what they're doing. No one has it figured out. When, you, when you're young, you have this preconceived notion of when I reach 22, I'll be awesome. When I'm 32, I'll really know what's up. When I'm 42, you know, I'll, I'll have kids and a wife and, and a house and everything will be perfect. And, you know, like you have all these notion, these preconceived notions about what things are going to be. And you think everyone knows what they're doing and no one knows what they're doing. Yeah, no one does. There's a meme out, and and you say it, and if I and I hate this because sometimes I have to discipline my workers and stuff, and then I start smiling in the middle of all this discipline and stuff. What the hell are you smiling at, man? Uh, and and something you said just reminded me. Uh, there's this meme out there that goes something like, um, uh, "I wish I was the age that I was at." When I thought I would have my shit together at this age. So, yeah, there's that age of innocence or ignorance or whatever yeah. to where, yeah, I can't wait until I'm, you know, this old when I have the family and the house and the car and the stereo. And, and then we get to that age and it's like, what the hell happened? Yeah. So uh, some people achieve that and some people are psychopaths. A lot of CEOs are psychopathic. They will step on people just to get what they want. So, yeah. you know, there's that way of going. But uh, for the majority of us, you know, we uh, – uh, we don't follow that way of being. You don't – I don't think you ever find it. I don't know. Yeah. it's There's too much stuff. I was driving up here. Man, if I get a chance to talk about truth, I'm going to say that. Um, there's too much of truth for any one person to get a hold of. We come into little bits and pieces of understanding and we have to take it on faith that what we have a kind of an inkling about is true. Until we come across something that appears to us to be more true. Uh, so we don't really know. We have to take things on faith. Uh, it, it's it just, oh man, uh, one of the arguments people, well, if, you're in, uh, if nobody's in the woods and a tree falls in the woods, it doesn't make a sound. Yes, it does. Prove it. I take it on faith because all the scientific evidence points to this way of being. Well, that's not faith in that scientist. Uh, well, yeah, taking taking yeah. faith in in witnesses who mm -hmm. have seen it before and you know checked it all out. So um, I can tell you about a guy named uh, my brother uh, Kevin Beaker. He lives out in <laughs> Illinois. Uh, hey, Kevin. My brother. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, he's got a couple of kids, and he's got like uh, four, five, six grandchildren. Uh, his wife's name is Gail. Man, I'm just giving away all these family <laughs> secrets. Uh, and uh, and I can tell you, he's really super cool with electronics and just oh, he would be the go-to guy for all the electronic stuff in my life. Um, I could tell you about that. I can't prove that he's out there because maybe I just made all that shit up. Yeah. Uh, but depending on how I present it to you, uh, you're well, yeah, he offered enough evidence. Yeah. I believe what he says. So, but you can't prove it. Mm -hmm. So we have to take things on faith. But so many people have such a strong belief in their faith, they consider it reality. And those people need to be slapped repeatedly uh, because chances are 
somewhere down the line, they're going to be proven wrong through logic and reason. It's a dangerous spot, though. People, there's a lot of people who uh, who put the the act of being right in their belief as a part of their core personality. Yeah. And if you prove that some belief they have is wrong in some way or another, it, it, it's big. It's big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Police are often called in. Um, it's happened. Uh, I was with this one once before, and uh, you always have to be right, don't you? Well, show me someone who wants to be wrong. I mean, I'm not going to talk about all these ethereal things and say I'm right. But I mean, if, I, if I'm going to wrap my hand on this table and hit it as hard as I can, it's probably going to hurt. Yeah. Okay, that's reality. You know, so yeah, I'm right about that. You know, but there are other situations. Like I said, you have to be right. Well, yeah. And if I'm wrong, I hope I'm granted the wisdom to see that mm-hmm. and say, man, I was stupid. And, uh, but then I grow from that. I grow from that pain. I grow from exactly. that anxiety. Mm-hmm. But who wants to do that? Most people don't. Well, that's part of being an adult. You, you, you're allowed to have an opinion and a belief. Yeah. But if you, if you witness facts that prove otherwise, then you need to be strong enough to admit that you were wrong and then move on. Mature, yeah. 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 So often, um, Maimonides wrote about this, uh, so often we hold on to the opinions that we were brought up under, that we grew up under, and we fight and cuss and scratch and rant and rave in order to support those opinions while we're not looking at all the other evidence that's coming through. And um, it takes a humble person. My mom's definition of humility is you can be easily replaced by thin air. For those of us who strive for humility, we understand that. But there are other people who say, oh, I can't be replaced. So, um, dang it. Um, (laughs) Rewind that so I can see where I was going. Um, There are... um, Crap. It's all right. It's good. Yeah. Well, like I said... We're we're, we're in the same vein. (laughs) If I get a chance to see this, I'll, I'll, I'll write and say, this is what I was after then, so... Um, well, you know what? This is actually a good spot to wrap it up. Okay. So um, I am very appreciative you drove all the way up here twice today from Salem. So thank you for coming out and hanging out. Um, I am beyond grateful for this because it's something that uh, for so many different reasons that uh, I had a chance to express myself, to get out of the house for so many things. Mm-hmm. The greatest thing would be uh, if somebody comes along somewhere and say, what the hell was this guy talking about? Or, or oh, that's really fascinating, whatever. They're going to come to you and th- that's a payment that I get. And and it's just going to continue on. Mm-hmm. And so it's for stuff like that that I'm grateful and I'm thankful. And I appreciate you putting that ad up that you did. Um, send it off and say, hey, you know, I, this and that and this and that. And I'm not a pole dancer, but you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for having put that up. Yeah. I mean, it was just on a lark that I went out that night and said, oh, okay. I thought about it. You know, I would have never met you unless I shot my face off and you came to pick me up. <laughs> I would have never met you. So yeah. this is this is like the universe or wh- whatever you want to believe, like me – putting that out, you reading it, respond, like you taking the initiative to respond to me and say, Hey, I do this crazy job. I'd love to talk about it. Like 
that that's what it's about, in my opinion. You know. Yeah. What well, it's it's something for me because I'm all about the psych stuff and the training and the education, and all this stuff. Uh, it's it's a chance to share. And if we're all lifelong learners, even the people who deny it are still learning, so they can't get away from it. Uh, so if there's a chance to help somebody to come to terms with something, and maybe it's somebody who really didn't think about someone who has passed and something that we've shared uh, sparks them, oh, wow, whoa, okay, uh, I get paid. I mean, just in, in that that thing in the universe, because it could come around, they could go talk with other people, and it could ultimately come back around to me. Uh, I got this thing called small world-itis. I've met people on one side of the globe, and then sometime later, I meet them on the other side, and there's absolutely no reason why I should have you know, come across paths again. Mm-hmm. So st- stuff like that happens, but it would not have happened if you didn't put the ad up uh, would not have happened if I wasn't bored that night. Uh, time, chance, and circumstance, like I mentioned earlier, happen to all people. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do when those three things mm-hmm. combine? Exactly. Hopefully, we'll take it and run and be a blessing to others, to, to some, and probably a curse to others. But you know, I'm up for it. I'm I'm definitely up for whatever might come. I was telling my wife as I was coming down here. You, uh, she goes, "I'm so excited! I'm so excited!" And I said, "Like, yeah, but it could be a double-edged sword." And she goes, "Yeah, you're right." And I go. But I'm up for it. Yeah. And to, to have the chance, I felt like an alien coming in here, you know, driving up and uh-huh. you know, we're here at this place and what am I doing here? But now I'm totally at ease. Uh, Good. And, Good. and again, this is going to chill me out for the next couple of weeks Good. because I'm going to have so much to think about. And um, it'll, all, it'll all be good and pleasurable. Uh, and ultimately, that's what I'm after. So if I got to go through some stressful things to get there, okay, sure. And, but just have the chance, you know, you put that out there uh, and, you know, you could have been totally rejected by everyone in humanity and I could have wrote and you could have just said, oh, I don't forget it and hit that delete key. But we didn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it worked out. Yeah. And, and, and again, gratitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank thank you, you very much for all of this. Yeah. Um, we'll see how it goes in the future. Okay. Well, all those things you think about on the drive back tonight, we'll have to do them on the next time. Oh, well, oh hey. Okay. Well. Cool. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Sure thing. I appreciate it.